today, I pray the Lord going to use this to really bless your life. I want to share with you a teaching that I'm teaching on BHI that I think is going to really bless you today. So thank you for being my wonderful partners. Now let's go and let's listen to the word of the Lord right now. And to Jesus be all the glory and all the honor and praise. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you for being with me again today. We're going to continue on Jesus in the Scriptures. Oh, what a wonderful Lord we serve. To him be all the praise. All right, Leviticus. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 14. So that's where we go next in seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And I'm going to start reading verse 1 right through verse 7. This is really all one sentence, by the way. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean, and cedar wood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. He shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Oh, this is so remarkable. We have to understand something about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is shadow. We see the shadow of things in the Old Covenant. In the New, we see substance, substance. So this is really talking about justification by the blood. Real quickly, we're going to go back and I'm going to explain this thrilling portion, thrilling portion of the Old Covenant. But let's go to Romans 5 and verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Wow. Now, what we're looking at in Leviticus 14 is a most remarkable revelation that is completely a shadow. You know, the Bible says in, in Hebrews 10, 1, uh, in fact, you know what? Can we go read it quickly? I think it's important to read that one with you. Hebrews 10, verse 1. We're going to go back to, to Leviticus in just a moment. It says, for the law, Hebrews 10, 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image of the things. So we're looking at shadows here. That's why sometimes it's hard to understand but when you clearly see it, it changes and can change your life, frankly. That's what happened to me years ago 
in the 80s when I began to realize, look beyond the shadow. Look for Jesus in the Old Covenant. And Colossians 2, also verse 17, and in fact, you know what, let me, let me read a little more than that. Uh, verse 16 and on, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of Christ, or the substance is of Christ. That word body in Colossians 2.17 is substance. So the old covenant, he says, let no man judge you in respect to meat or drink or, some, or a, a day that's holy or the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. I love that. So when, when, when you see the Lord, let's go back to Leviticus, by the way. When you see the Lord putting uh, seven verses in one sentence, there's something very powerful because you have one main truth coming from that. So when, we, when we, you, you study that, you, you have to remember we're looking at the natural. We're looking at the natural. Stay where you are. Stay in Leviticus, in Leviticus 14. I'm going to read you a portion, again, from the New Testament. You may want to just write down rather than look at it. And this is important because it says in, in 1 Corinthians um, how the, in the Old Covenant, we, we, we are looking at uh, uh, the shadow. We are looking at the natural. Because first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. And I love that about the Bible because sometimes you are, you are looking at just natural things. So let me read that to you real quickly if you don't mind. I'm just having a little problem here with my iPad. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to read verse 46. How be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. So now we're going to look at the natural and see the depth that's behind it. So let's go again, Leviticus 14. So it says, This shall be the law of the leper in verse 2. So leprosy, leprosy in the Bible is speaking of what? A leper is one who is unclean. A leper uh, represents someone outside fellowship, the fellowship of God, the fellowship of God's people. So a sinner or one living in sin is not in fellowship with God, he's unclean. So it says, this shall be the law of the leper or the sinner in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. So leprosy also speaks of uh, separation. It speaks of disfavor, no favor. It speaks of judgment. 
that, that sin causes, of course. But God is now providing cleansing for the leper. So he will be brought in the day of his cleansing to the priest. That's the, that's the Lord here, the picture of Jesus. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp. And Jesus, it says, died outside the city, outside the camp. And the priest shall look and behold if the leprosy or the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds, alive and clean. All right. Uh, This is important. So the Bible tells us it only takes a day uh, for you and me to find cleansing, to find salvation. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 6. Let's look at verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I saved thee or succored thee, helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. But notice it says, I have heard you in the day, the day of salvation. Now, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, leprosy in the Old Testament was cleansed by a process. But if you look at this, uh, this portion very clearly, it talks about cleansing in a day. Well, that has got to be then our salvation it's talking about, not the actual cleansing of a natural leper. Because the natural leper was not cleansed in a day. He had to be separated from the people and so forth. He had to go through a process in the Old Testament. Here it says, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing, meaning the day of salvation. So this is a shadow of a blessed truth. So we see 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that salvation happens in a a day. Our cleansing happens in, in a day. In the Old Covenant, the cleansing of a leper did not happen in a day. So this has to be supernatural. So now it says that the priest commands, then shall the priest, verse 4 here, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds, alive and clean. So the two birds uh, here, one speaks of the Lord's crucifixion and death. One speaks of the resurrection. So I'll just give it to you first before we explain it, okay? And then Cedar Wood speaks of the cross. Verse 4. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds, alive and clean. One speaks of the death of Jesus. One bird speaks of the death of Jesus. The second bird speaks of the resurrection of the Lord. It's powerful as I show you a little more later. And now... Cedar Wood, Cedar, Cedar Wood uh, speaks of the cross. So that's the second thing that the priest orders. Two birds and a piece of cedar wood from the cedars of Lebanon, by the way. And then it says scarlet. 
And the cedar, and the cedars of Lebanon, always speaks of the work of Calvary. How interestingly, by the way, may I add, that the temple was built inside with what? Cedar wood. Hallelujah. So the work of the cross was all in that temple in the Old Covenant. And scarlet, I'm still reading verse 4 of Leviticus 14. Now scarlet was symbolic of the atonement. Uh, in the Hebrew, by the way, the word for atonement is kafar. The word kavar, kafar means to cover. So scarlet speaks of the blood of Jesus that covers. So you see the two birds, one speaks of the crucifixion, one speaks of the resurrection. Cedar wood speaks of the cross. Scarlet speaks of the blood of Christ that covers. And hyssop speaks of faith. Now this is really amazing. Uh, hyssop, by the way, was, and still you find it in Israel, as a plant, a bushy plant, which flourishes uh, in Israel. It actually is on, 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 on walls everywhere. You see it, you look at walls often in Jerusalem, you see like a little bush coming out of a wall. And it was used in the Old Testament to sprinkle uh, both blood and water. So they used hyssop or that bush to apply the blood or apply water. For example, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 22, God commanded that the hyssop be used to apply the blood, and you shall take, uh, Exodus 12, 22, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel or the top of the door, and the two side post with the blood that is in the basin. Now you see also in Numbers chapter 19 and verse 18 how they also applied water with it. So hyssop not only uh, speaks of cleansing with the blood, but cleansing with water. It says in verse 18 of Numbers 19, I'm going to read that for you, and a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon all the vessels and upon the persons that were there. Wow. And upon him that touched a bone or one slain or one dead or a grave. So by spraying water in the, in the Old Covenant, they were able to clean even a grave or a dead person. That's powerful. So, but what does it speak of? It speaks of faith. Hyssop always speaks of faith in the Bible. So in the Old Covenant, they used hyssop to apply blood and to apply water. But David, King David, in his prayer in Psalm 51, verse 7, he said something beautiful. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He was talking then about faith cleansing him. He understood the part of faith. And what are we cleansed by today? Our faith in God. So by faith, God declared Abraham righteous. And by faith, we are declared righteous. 
Now we go back to Leviticus 14 and we look at some amazing truth still. So let's, let's read verse 5. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Now, the earthen vessel here is symbolic of the body of Jesus. And the priest shall command one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. So you have the two birds. One speaks of the Lord's crucifixion. One speaks of the Lord's resurrection. You have the wood, the cross. You have the scarlet, the blood. You have hyssop, faith in the work of the cross and the blood. And then you have the body of the Lord. So the priest shall command that one of the priests, one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel, the body of Christ. And then it says over running water. Look at those seven revelations I just gave you. See, the two birds, the wood, the scarlet, the hyssop, the body, and, and, and running water. And all of it speaks of what? Well, the running water amazingly speaks of the scriptures. It's a picture of the word of God, but something else that is quite powerful. It's also a picture of the Holy Spirit and the eternal Holy Spirit that Jesus was offered through the Holy Ghost on the cross. He offered himself through the Holy Spirit, it says in Hebrews 9.14. This is really so powerful because you see the, the uh, shadow and the substance so powerful. So in Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So it was the Holy Spirit really who gave Jesus his blood before Jesus entered heaven. Remember that the blood of Jesus, I've shared this many times, the blood of the Lord was shed seven times in the New Testament. It was shed first in Gethsemane when his sweat became blood. It was shed at the house of Caiaphas when they beat his precious face and pulled his beard off. It was shed again when they placed a crown of thorns upon his head that happened in the Praetoria. It was shed again when they whipped his back, number four, before Pilate in the Praetoria. It was shed again, it was shed again, when they nailed his hands. That was the fifth shedding. Then number six, when they nailed his feet. Number seven, when they pierced his side. So it was the Holy Spirit who gave him that blood on the way to heaven because that blood was shed in different locations. So who gave him that blood to enter in heaven with? For it says he entered with his own blood into heaven. Verse 12, Hebrews 9. Neither by the, by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, meaning heaven, having obtained, already obtained, eternal redemption for us. 
But who gave him that blood? The Holy Spirit. So here we see the water spoken of in Leviticus 14. Let's go back to Leviticus 14. This is so beautiful, isn't it? And so it says that once this is this has happened, now it shall. Uh, uh, let me let me let me let me read verse six. This is powerful. So these are the seven revelations of Jesus already. Now, as for the living bird, you know, people, I want to shout. <laughs> I want to calm down and control myself because this is so powerful for me. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood because it says earlier in verse five that the first bird is killed in an earthen vessel. Jesus was crucified and killed physically. That's the earthen vessel. Overrunning water, according to the scriptures. And now, the living bird that's still alive, he's to take that living bird, speaks of the resurrection, and the wood, the work of the cross, and the scarlet, let me just read all of verse 6. As for the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water. So think about this. Now, he takes the, the actual living bird, he dips the bird in the earthen vessel that has blood already in it from the first bird that was killed. He dips in the blood of the first bird the living bird and the wood, as it says here, the the, uh, uh, cedar wood, and the cloth of scarlet, and the hyssop. And then now, as he dips the bird, the wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop, he lets that bird loose. So through the part of the blood, the cross, isn't that powerful? And the blood, and faith that is applied in that blood, the, the, that bird now, the, the living bird, is loose. He, it, it, it says here, watch this. And then it says, and shall dip it in the, let me reread it. As for the living bird, he shall take it in the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water. And now he is to sprinkle, watch this, he takes that living bird, he takes the wood, he takes the scarlet, he takes the, uh, the cloth and the hyssop, and he sprays, he shall sprinkle upon it that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. That's what I just told you, the blood shed seven times. And pronounce him clean, and now when he does that, he lets the bird loose. What is that? Resurrection. Now imagine this bird is taken off with the blood on its feathers being sprinkled over the leper. So now that leper has been, uh, the blood has been applied on him seven times. That's the blood of Jesus, meaning a perfect work, a salvation complete. And now that living bird, as a result of the blood being shed for the sinner, now there's the resurrection to justify the sinner. And the blood coming comes off 
the living bird and the feathers of the living bird and sprays that leper. Wow. And he's pronounced clean. And as he's pronounced clean, that bird takes off and justifies the leper. That is incredible. So, this picture is so powerful. Now, he's pronounced clean. That's what, what happens with you and me. I want to I read a portion to you that I think is just remarkable. Let me, let me read from um, Leviticus 16 quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And let's read something else. So now as we are cleansed, we are pronounced clean. But let's look at another picture of the Lord that is connected with all this. In Leviticus 16, there we have the amazing truth of the day of atonement that fits very well with the picture of Revelation of Leviticus 14. And what we have here is, in verse 5, it says in uh, Leviticus 16, 5, and he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So this is talking about the Day of Atonement now. How we see Jesus now in that truth. In verse 7 it says, And he shall take the two goats, present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Remember the two birds earlier? One crucifixion, one resurrection. Now we see two goats in chapter 16. And in these two goats, we see something quite powerful. Let's look at verse 15 now for a minute. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people, bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock on the day of atonement, and sprinkle the blood of the goat upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat, Verse 16 says, he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions, and so on. And he will do the same thing. He will apply the blood of the goat for the tabernacle of the congregation. Wow. That remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And it says there will be no man allowed in the tabernacle. This is verse 17. When he, the high priest, goes in to make an atonement in the holy place until he, he come out and have made an, an atonement for himself, his household, and all the congregation of Israel. Wow. Now, on the, on the atonement, on the day of, of atonement, the annual day of atonement, the high priest chose two goats. Uh, one, which is a, a part, by the way, of a special ceremony uh, where one goat had to be killed 
and the high priest was to sprinkle the goat's blood on the altar of incense and on the holy place, on the tabernacle, I just read it. Now he turns to the live goat in Leviticus 16, beginning at verse 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat. Confess over him all the sins or all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions in all their sin, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquity of the land all the iniquity unto a land, or all the iniquity of the land, unto a land not inhabited. So all the iniquity of the nation of Israel to a, to a land not in, inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. This is incredible. So one goat was killed as a picture of Jesus offering his life as a substitute, sin offering. And then he puts his hands on the, living goat, uh, on the living goat and confesses the sins of the whole nation on him, transferring their sin to the goat. Then the goat is sent into the desert to bear the sin and take away the sin of the nation of Israel. Both picture the work of Jesus, our precious Lord on the cross. The first, his death for us in the goat that was killed, his blood applied on the altar of incense, holy place, the tabernacle, and so forth. The second, Jesus bore the weight of our sin and our guilt and carried it all away. You see, in both uh, uh, Leviticus 14 and 16, you see the one bird killed, one bird loose, speaks of death and resurrection. 16, sorry, 16, one goat killed, one goat loose, who takes away our sins to never be remembered anymore. And so we are justified by the resurrection, right? It says so in the, in the Bible. He was raised for our justification in Romans 5, it says. And how amazing when you read the Old Testament in that light with our understanding in your mind and heart so when you look at Isaiah 53, for example, and verse 6, now it comes together. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the living goat who took it away to never be remembered again. And so it says in the Psalms, in Psalm 103, see it all fits together now, right? 
in Psalm 103 in verse 12, and we've all known and have, we have read it, but we didn't put it together with Leviticus 16. So verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. It's interesting, years ago, Jim Ponto pointed this out to me in Canada. He said, north and south meet, east and west do not. Wow. Isn't that amazing, Chad? North and south meet, east and west do not. There is no place where they meet. But north and south do at the equator. The earth is split at the equator. But that is amazing that east and west don't meet. As far as the east is from the west, meaning you can't find your sin, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. I pray this really is blessing you, especially this last portion here. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Would you lift your hands and thank God for that? that your sins are not to be found like that goat took that sin of the people of Israel, the sins of the whole nation, into the desert to never find his way back into the camp. I love, I love what First Peter also says about this. You know, there's such wealth in the Bible. There's such incredible power in the word. When you read first two, uh, first Peter 2, 24, in the light of what I just read, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Meaning you can't find that sin in, in, your, in your life because it's been taken away by whose stripes you were healed. Or Matthew chapter 8, you know. The, all these scriptures talk about our sins being taken away. He took them upon himself away from us. Not to be remembered anymore. And Matthew eight seventeen, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our sickness too. And our infirmities. I love it. And finally, 1 John Two and verse two. You know, with such a teach, with such a teaching like this, I I, I cannot overload you. I, you've got to give you enough just to chew upon. First John two two, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Oh, blessed Lord, I give you praise. And finally, I want to take you to Leviticus 16. Back to Leviticus 16. And I'm going to read with you verse 29 this time. And we'll be done with the chapter. <clears throat> and this shall be a statue, verse 29. This shall be a statue forever unto you. That in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. And do no work therein or at all. That's the day of, of atonement. Whether it be one of your country, one of your own country, or a stranger that sojourneth among you, 
Verse 34, on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. And how wonderful that was fulfilled in Jesus in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26 we see the fulfillment of what we just read for such a high priest became ours became us was fitting for us is the real translation who's holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners made higher than the heavens who, who needeth not daily as those high priests because they they were to offer it continually and yearly for the atonement to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people. For this Jesus did once, for this he did once, when he offered up himself. Lord, thank you. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmities, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated as a high priest forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for opening up our hearts and our eyes to see you in this beautiful way. In Leviticus 14, Leviticus 16, you are our redeemer, you are our savior. You're the one who took our sins away, not to be remembered anymore. And you said to us in Jeremiah, I will remember your sins no more. We give you all the praise for it, Lord. A million thanks. You know, I want to just bless you with one more verse. I have a few more minutes. I want to share Micah 7 with you. And I love this portion of the, of the Old Covenant. Verse 18 says, Who is a God like unto thee? Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like unto thee? that pardons iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anchor forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Wow. Kodet and Boom used to say, <coughs> God has thrown our sins in the depth of the sea and he, puts, he put a sign that says no fishing. I was teaching earlier uh, on overcoming the devil, how our faith overcomes the devil, which is for the daily teaching. And I pointed out something in Luke 22 when the Lord said to Peter, I'm praying for you. He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I am praying for you that your faith will not fail. Interestingly, right after that, Peter said, Lord, I'll go with you to prison. I'll, I'll die with you. And Jesus said, no, you, you're going to deny me today. How amazingly the Lord didn't, did not say to him, I'm praying for you that you will not deny me. He didn't say that. He said, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. Look it up. In Luke 22, he said, I'm praying for you, Peter. 
that your faith will not fail. Because the devil wants to sift you like wheat. But I'm praying that your faith will not fail. That's what we need to do. Make sure our faith will not fail. But that's what the Lord is praying for us about. That's what he intercedes for. That our faith will not fail. Because our faith overcomes the world. And as I'm teaching and showing you Jesus in the Old Covenant, I'm praying that your faith will get strong and be established in Jesus. So thank you for being with me today for this beautiful teaching. Didn't you just love that? Leviticus 14, Leviticus 16, it's all about Jesus. And I pray this has been a real blessing to you. And I'm going to ask you right now to give to the Lord's work. I'm going to ask you to succeed in the work of God. What you saw today, by the way, but was a class I, I, I gave just like this from here, by the way, to uh, the, the class, but I wanted to share this with you. But I'm also asking you today to give to the Lord's work. Because, you know, giving to the Lord's work has become more important now than maybe you know ever in the history of the church. Because we face today such danger on earth, the collapse of the economies of the world now is, is just around the corner, no doubt. Uh, look about what happened a few days ago with those banks in this country. And the world is shaky today. Uh, people are afraid today, but we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear whatsoever. Because we are investing in the kingdom of God. We are sowing seed in the work of the Lord. The Lord delights in the prosperity of the man who obeys him. So the Bible is, is clear. I've not seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. But we have to give. It shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over shall man give to your bosom. I told you the story years ago when Oral Roberts was, was in the church with me, OCC, and he said, can I talk to you like my son? I said, of course. He said, today all you talked about was the seed. Why didn't you talk about the harvest? I said, well, please, why don't you tell me more? He, he took me to Luke 6, 38. He said, read that verse. And I, so I read it. Give it, shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, run over shall. Uh, shall men give to your bosom? He said, how many times did Jesus say give? I said, one time. He said, how many times did Jesus say receive? I said, I don't know. So look at it one more time, and I did. Finally, he took my fingers like this. He said, Jesus said receive seven times. It shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom? I said, do it. I said, do it again. And it, here it is, seven times, the Lord says, focus on the harvest, not on the seed. It's the harvest. It's all about the harvest. You give and you receive the harvest. I think it's time you and I believe God for the harvest. Ask him for the harvest. Thank him for the harvest because Jesus said it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall man give to your bosom. It changed me completely when Oral gave me that. And he said, what do you want God to give you? Well, I never thought about it. He said, well, Jesus said, focus on the harvest. What do you want for your harvest? I said, I want to pay off my home. He said, then you tell God that. 
And every time from there on when I gave, I said, Lord, get me out of debt. I want to pay off the house. Six months later, that's exactly what happened. A man walked up to me and gave me a check that paid off my house. I was amazed it happened. But it works. It really works. And now when we give from here on, let's have our mind on the harvest. Let's believe God for the harvest. Let's thank God for the harvest. Lord, we bless you for the harvest. Come on, lift your hands and thank him. Lord, I pray as they sow seed today, give them the harvest they're believing for. For you told us to believe for the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. We give you the praise. And God's people said, Amen. All right. You give right now and thank God for the harvest. In fact, ask him, what is it you need financially? Because God wants us to believe him also for finance. And watch what he'll do as you begin to thank him and praise him for the harvest. All right. You can sow your seed on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benin.org, or you can simply text BHM45777 and praise the Lord for the harvest. But remember, ask him for it first, then praise him. I'll see you tomorrow. Fabulous teaching tomorrow. Woo, you're going to love it. Bye-bye.